live. Welcome Masters to episode talk. 32 uh, of It's Server now. Time. So, uh, we are going to be recapping Dallas. We're going to be talking about Boomich and his his ex. We're going to be talking about Roy and his smiley faces. And we're going to be talking about Patreon questions at the end of it all. But we have a special guest, Launders, here who got on the show because he uh, just replied. He added me. He was, he reply guide me. So welcome, welcome, you reply guy. <laughs> You just gotta be. You gotta take initiative sometimes. That's it. That's that's what is that? What you, is that your message to all reply guys out there? Exactly. Keep keep going. <laughs> she'll see this. Yeah, eventually she'll see it. If she didn't see the first one, she might see the seventh. Um, okay. All right. All right. So of course we have Mix back as well, who took a one show hiatus because of uh, he was sick. He wasn't feeling too well. Uh, shouts out. Actually, we removed him after he announced he was going to Valorant. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, no, and I was gonna. I was gonna my back way on. <laughs> so, so for people that don't know, Mix is now the assistant coach to C9 Blue. So he is reunited with Vanity. Is it? Are you reunited with anybody yeah. else on that team? Actually, Zeppa. Zeppa. Yeah. Okay. United. Apex. Jack Lossus. Yep. Great okay. times. Yeah. Okay. So uh, hopefully, hopefully, so far, missed playoffs. <laughs> lost to JDM. You lost to JDM and Phase. Yeah. Okay, well, you know what? Okay, Sometimes well, I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. In one game, C9 beats FaZe. In one game, they lose to them. That's how the cookie Maybe you didn't have enough Shungite. What is that? I'm going to bring that up yeah, today, what? actually. Yeah. I, think, mean? I think JDM's into Shungite. Okay, what, I don't know what that, that is. Is that like... like <laughs> is that something... Shungite does he grease what? his uh, chair with it so he can lean back more, or what? Like, what is it for? What is Listen, just, just look into it. Shungite... <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll, I'm like, your life, safe, am I safe searching this incognito? <laughs> like, I don't. Is this like crystals or something? They're like, I, yeah, it rocks. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, so him <laughs> and Nifty right. really would make a good combo then, yeah? Or okay, yeah. That's okay. Good, yeah. Because just because I don't want to miss this topic, um, and I know this is what viewers are interested in, let's talk about Boomich and the situation with his with his ex wife. So a video has been released via Boomich's ex's telegram that is showing a person of unknown identity, but of similar build to that of Boomich's, doing a line of a substance which we cannot also give with any clarity what that is. So for you guys out there, um, <laughs> it could be Shungite. It could be Shungite, um, but I don't know what I don't know what Shungite is so easily. But um, so for for uh, let's I want to I want to hit Note first because Note will have the most politically correct uh, HLTV ready to go publish publishable take on this. Yep. No, what is your take? Yeah, the sport mode take on what just <laughs> happened today. Well, apparently I have to have opinions on this show. I was uh, I read a comment from the last episode where I apparently have zero opinions. Um, but right. All I'm saying is, I think that people jumping to random opinions on this on this specific topic is kind of just unreasonable. Like, you have no idea what Boomich's situation is. Also, like, how are you getting involved in his personal life when, like, people who are judging him for allegedly snorting some substance um, is just kind of unreasonable. It's just like, how are there people reacting to him allegedly taking drugs as if it's like the most criminal offense you could possibly do. You have no idea what his like actual situation is. Uh, also like this whole thing with his wife, like I think most people kind of saw it coming from the start. 
which kind of yeah. sucks, and it just overall is like a shitty situation for him. So I don't know. It's like, can I just I, say I that you're like just go ahead. I I mean I just feel like reaction Andy's need to cool it down on this one. So so, so your opinion <laughs> is that other people should have no opinion when you just said that you didn't have enough opinion. I just wanted to clear that up because that was so, it's so, actually, it's a good segue. It was a good segue. <laughs> yeah. Preface with that because I knew exactly okay. what I was coming in with. Yeah. You know? yeah. Okay. No, I think to be it makes it's pretty hot to have to come in with right out, right out yeah. the gate. So I'm really no, I'm not jealous of being uh, note here. Okay, well then, what what is your take? What is your take, Launders? I just really like Pasha's tweet. I can't co-sign it, but I think it's pretty good. Wait, I didn't but see this. You just said that's how things go, and you think with your dick instead of your brain. I hope everything will be all right. Okay, yeah, that's uh that's an opinion. That's an opinion there, and it's also like wise advice. It's actually very sage of Pasha to say something like that because. I think most people, most most males, or at least most, uh, yeah, they have learned at this point that really thinking with your nether parts is probably going to get you into some trouble um, over time. So that's why, uh, Mix, that's why we have to hear your opinion on this. Oh, sorry, I'm in Valorant now, so I'm not qualified. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. All right. I feel like you can just pull that out now for literally any topic. Dude, on that's actually, yeah, that's a great get-out-of-jail-free card. I don't have to involve okay. myself in this discussion. Okay. Uh, Pernogo, you have, you, have, you have thoughts. You have many thoughts. I've seen some. Yeah, I just think that, uh, you know, if you're actually responsible, which unfortunately Boomich doesn't seem like he might be, uh, but that's an external judgment. If you're responsible, drugs are fine, and you should, guys should uh, try some. That's my take. That's actually based. Um, so, okay, I'll, I'll kind of like uh, expound on what I put out there as my tweet about where basically I said that I don't think it's professional to comment on people's illicit substance usage. When I said that, it's kind of like obviously in a negative connotation. Like it's okay, you can comment, but it's more like you can't. I, I feel like people, there were a few people that kind of were like tier two casters and stuff like that, that I kind of saw like replying to it or like people that are kind of in the space, um, people that are like streamers and they were saying stuff. And I was kind of like, it was sort of a bad look. They were just kind of like dogpiling on Boomich for this video. And I, that's where I kind of just think like people should look before they just tweet on something like that. Because for one, it's not like, like, like the the second part of my tweet was that it's just that there's no moral indictment on a person just because they decide to use illegal drugs because I mean legality is something that is not rooted in any sort of there, there there's people that want to think it's like foundational like a priori if I'm getting really philosophical like knowledge in terms with with like making up a law or jurisdiction but in all all honesty it's just like so we live in a society in air quotes you know so bringing up the joke that's my main point Uh, of that uh, yeah also when you're not cool enough you don't do drugs so you can't really relate and therefore you shouldn't have an opinion (laughs) exactly all the people who are reply guying about that are actually just not cool enough they would never get into the exclusive clubs that boomage has access to so but Maui, I'm told that your uh, your tweet was also a reaction. So how can you how can you be reacting about people reacting? It's actually yeah. kind of fucked up, then. Yeah. Um, well, the thing is that I will stand on a moral high ground sometimes <laughs> and put it out there that something that somebody else does is morally beneath me. So that's why I can say that. Uh, now it's just that. <clears throat> 
I think the whole Boomage situation, it like if I really, really give an honest opinion on it, I really think that what he's in right now is is a situation that he probably could have avoided if he listened to some advice out there. But he he got himself into it with you know going out with this woman that seemed to be, uh, you know, just like a wild card in a lot of different ways. But I don't really hold that against him, and I think that his behavior in this short span of time where he's under a lot of pressure, having lost his job with Navi, probably looking for a new team, uh, going through a divorce, which is something I don't think most people, especially people our age, can even like yeah. begin to relate to. Uh, like, there's so much. He's on such a roller coaster in his life right now that to to just kind of kick him when he's down, when yeah. he's he is really realizing now that okay, this was a mistake, and it's sometimes that's just what happens with guys and, and women, where it's just like you know, there's no one that can pull them out of it other than themselves, even their best friend, even their family, even even someone that like is looking to professionally help them, like I assume Blade would probably have been. So I don't think I don't think it's in anyone's best interest, and I don't think it's a good look for anybody to go out there and say like, oh, look at this dude just doing blow or something. It's like first of all. From from even what she wanted to say, it wasn't blow. Uh, yeah. It was another substance. So that's just that was incorrect in that. But that that's kind of my all around take. That it seemed I like think, an even yeah. even better substance. Honestly, the weird part was that she called him she called him a, a lesbian, which is not supposed to be an insult. And also reminds me of when Ludacris said, "I love women so much that I am one." For some reason, <laughs> and it also makes me think of uh, Drake in his 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 latest one, "Girls Like Girls." Um, you like women. Well, I'm I'm a woman too, or whatever. Oh yeah, said. you think she was just standing here watching him do it, or? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was just filming for posterity. Was, uh, <laughs> like we don't even know that. Do filming we even? Horrified. Yeah, do we even know the context of like anything, or is it literally just here's a clip and some like brief commentary? Yeah, that we actually don't it. even know if it's him. It's it's. Yeah, we don't know if it's him. him. We don't know when it was. Presumably, like, do we know anything? That's what I'm saying. Like, because I've totally missed it. I'm the guy who doesn't know anything about the actual. I haven't seen the clip. I haven't seen anything. So I'm just like, if, well, if we don't know things about like when it was taken and how long ago and like under what circumstances, then it's just ex exactly to and, even re like review it you know what i mean like it's and, and useless to reply to it and be like oh actually i know exactly what's happening and you're evil or whatever in in a in a very professional sense i think that it's a uh, it's okay for me and a lot of people in this industry to speculate about things that go on in the game like like yes. when some when someone makes a play in a game and it's like oh that was bad or whatever and then i'll be like well i feel like someone probably calmed something shittily there to make this person do that because I would never see simple do XYZ unless some like someone like bit said something wrong like I'm, I'm just throwing out a random example here but but then when it's speculating stuff outside the game with people's personal lives this can like there's like a defamation sort of angle here where you don't really want to be involved in that and uh, but I will I will defame players for their play in games because uh, that's that's also just it's competition baby I mean I just think it's not anybody's like responsibility or like prerogative to get involved in that side of people's personal lives if it's not actually affecting like the game or themselves personally or I their like teammates or whatever you think what i think mix should <laughs> okay yeah. <laughs> yeah mix mix okay Th this brings me to the other point here that um well i have two the first is that i okay 
okay, I don't know where to start with this now because these are two completely different points. But one point is that this easily could have also been not an illicit substance. Like this could have been something, even though it looks stupid, like this could have been Adderall. And like if yeah. he's prescribed Adderall, like, you know, people, ha- I've seen people rail a line of Adderall before <laughs> and it's, yeah. it was legal, you know, like it's le- it just looks stupid. It's just that they want to do it just to feel something. And uh, just hits faster, bro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then also, um, what is it? What was I going to say? Oh, but we should throw this to Mix because, um, so, Mix, would Cloud9 want a player like this on their team? <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> That's actually worse than asking him to comment on the first part. <laughs> now so represent your organization. For reasons in the yeah. game alone. Was that, was that purposely set up with, like, oh, the Adderall good. lead into Cloud9? Like, was that yeah, a freakazoid hey, callback? callback? And we got the hey, guy who just, did it, you know? Just take See, it I as was, you will. I don't know. Well, we don't know what the substance was, right? Like, I got this restful legs PM stuff here. And, you know, exactly. I could smash some stuff, probably. And, and my legs would it, probably yeah. feel pretty great. Um, Do you break it up before you take it? <laughs> yeah, every night, of course. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, I can't comment on that. I'm not sure. I, don't, I just want to say about the whole thing, though, is that, like, I don't know. I don't like assuming anything. Um. I don't know, I feel like there's so much context that you're always going to miss between everything that I just try not to think about it or, like, put too much thought into it. Unlike both sides, right? Like, I just have no fucking clue what's actually happening, so... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I will say I will say this. I held back at the major at maybe bringing out a line about device. A line, uh, and, yeah, uh, a line. Yeah, a line. Yeah. A line about device, because <clears throat> I kind of thought about this in a similar way, where I was like... You know, I think that it's very clear that Device is going through some post-breakup sort of, uh, you know, he's in a little bit of a, a rut there. But it, because of the length of how long Device has been gone, I have to assume, I actually do have to assume it's something beyond just like his breakup that's making him uh, stay away from the game this long. Because if it were just that, I would have said, man up, because like, what the fuck? Like, you can't just I let don't it know. Break. It was but, pretty like, bad. It, yeah, it was, it was, but it was, it's also been six months since Device has played. And I kind of, I now think that if I, if I were to jump at Device for anything similar to like a breakup, I would, I almost, I'm like, I, I have to assume there's almost more now going on with him because a breakup getting you down for six months is a little bit long in my eyes, but also, well, there was this a point where time. there was nothing more depressing than thinking about having to play for an IP. So I can understand. <laughs> Could have been. Yeah. No, like ser- yeah. In, in all seriousness, it's like a com- it must be a combination of compounding factors where he like mo- uproots his life, leaves the team he's been a part of as a core or whatever for like so long. And then now he's in another area entirely. He's moved to a different city. He's speaking a different language. He's trying to be with this woman, and then it all falls apart. It's semi-public, and now it's like scrutiny. Now everywhere he goes, he sees threads about. Anytime he sees threads about his team, they're yeah. like, when is he coming back? So it's not just the breakup, but at the same time, I don't know, man. I I can't imagine what it's like to be him. I just imagine that if I were in, in his shoes, I would try to like. Ultimately, that's what a lot of the speculation is. Like, why is he doing this? What is he going on? And you try to have to, you kind of try to have to put yourself in his shoes. I have no idea how I would react in that situation. You know what I mean? I so, wouldn't come back. Yeah, dude. If I won four majors and got like top two all those years and like won every tournament and had an error, I'll never be able to compete with myself again. Yeah. I don't think I would. I mean, I want him to come back, but I don't think I would. Yeah, it's like how long are you willing to to put the the hard yards in, basically? And even knowing that you probably won't ever get back to the top, right? I think right now, 
as good as it's like as good of a time as any to come back though because i think nip is pretty good like i think they could yeah yeah they're good now if it were just him <clears throat> if it were just him one for one for s attack this team would bang and it already does bang actually so i'm i think this is like it, it's but he, li- he lives in denmark now he's not going back to sweden oh okay well then that's a big that's a big rip for that idea yeah, but uh, uh, well, hey, Copenhagen Flames just lost their offer, so maybe Device could go to that. <laughs> this up and coming team, Copenhagen Flames, that he could help out. Yeah, that'd be that'd be really swell. I think they would go bankrupt paying his salary for one month. Yeah, probably. Actually, with what they sold Roy and Nika Dawes for, I'm sure that they could months. pay it for two months. Yeah, <laughs> so it'd be the greatest right. two months of their I, org's history. I'm gonna, I'm gonna like. I'm going to take this back to where we usually where we usually go with the podcast. So let's talk about I am Dallas a little bit here. Uh, let's talk about let's talk. I'm, I'll, I'll get to the champions in just a second. Let's talk about the other. I want to talk about the other side of the bracket first. So let's talk about like the G2 Furious side, the Furia end side, and ends making it to the finals. Um, G2 losing to Furia. This is the second time they've lost to Furia now in two BO3s. The last time being at the major in the two two game in the legend stage, but. Does it feel like to you guys G two is not getting better? Are they are they stagnant here? I sorry if I get I, I think that uh, the game plans for G two are insanely inconsistent to the point that you can see that they are very good teams in some rounds and in some rounds that they are actually making themselves worse by playing a certain way and they can both impress and embarrass themselves to the point that like uh, they they can get lucky and get like eight or nine rounds in one half or whatever, but they can't consistently close out games or their map picks or beat teams that they're more highly ranked than, which now Furio, they're not even ranked higher than. So uh, yeah, I think they, I think if obviously, if, I think everyone understands this at this point, that they have enough good players to be, to actually win tournaments. So I think the problems are definitely from within. And I think for uh, like, between Alexi and Extaz, I'm just not seeing a lot of leadership there. Maybe I think we see have to see leadership, obviously, from Alexi. It feels like he is he is definitely like a leader through and through. But even with Extaz, I was kind of disappointed to see that at first when he was talking about letting the team get comfortable and letting Alexi call. He said that when he gets comfortable, he's going to go all in and start like calling off pauses. And I expected to see something like we saw from Blade where like off the tack pauses, master plan, get a half back on track. Here's a really sick T side, but he's been really quiet off those tack pauses recently. And I feel like it's just been Alexi who by himself doesn't seem like good enough to figure out how to like win these matches. So I, I don't think this is the support system around the fraggers is good enough. I mean, there's a, there's a French interview with Extaz where he said, like there was just multiple conflicts between like, I think it was between him and Alexi, basically. He didn't specify it, but just the way he said it, like, it's pretty clear that that's where the conflict is. Um, just in styles of, like, leadership and the way they're trying to push the team forward. Um, also, like, one of the biggest things for G2 here is, like, where's their T-sides? It just... They're they're not playing well. Specifically, Nico is not playing well on the T-side, and he even admitted that in an interview with me. Like, he was like, yeah, my C... Like, I feel very comfortable on the CT side and I'm playing really well, but then the T side, I just feel like I can't get anything going. I even asked him specifically about um, the point you were making on the last pod, Alex, where he was. Uh, yeah, uh, I saw your I saw your interview with him, but yeah. Yeah, and he he basically said that like he he said I think what your conclusion was too, where he was just used to playing the entry role, and he was kind of starting to force fights too much, 
But even yeah. then, like, it's... I don't think you can give this team that much more time without a change at this point. It's just not reasonable to keep this trajectory of results. Like, how long are we going to be okay with them just exiting semifinals? This is never a team that was supposed to be just making it to playoffs and then kind of fighting. Like, they're supposed to be a, a championship contender. Yes. And right now they have not been, and we're six months into this lineup. Yeah, the six-month statistic is sobering. I think for me, like, you know what the biggest issue is actually the messaging around the leadership. Because Alexi B hasn't really done, like, the interviews that he had, like, some, sometimes early on, there was very promising. He's like, I can immediately see that, you know, Nico doesn't need any micromanagement. And I can focus my attention on Monacy and try to bring him up to this level and stuff. But then Extaz does that French interview, which is, like, weirdly saying, like, yeah, there's a conflict between, like, he names Alexi B, and he's like, there's a conflict, and we're trying to work through it. Like, there's no, there's no, like, bright, uh, you know, ending to this tunnel or whatever. Like, there's no light at the end of the tunnel for this story, it feels like. All of the, the messaging is like, oh, we're trying. We're, fi we're, it's taking longer than expected. And it's, that's the wrong message. What we want to hear is that, like, here are the things that, if we're going to comment on it publicly at all, like, here are the things that they are trying, we're specifically doing, and these are the specific elements. And, like, maybe give us the idea that you have a bit of a plan, because if you don't give us that idea, we have to assume that there is no plan, or that the plan is maybe bad or not working. And th that's the scariest thing, because normally I would say this team is star-studded, I believe in the parts, give it more time. But the fact that they don't even seem to believe in themselves means that, like, well, I can't go to bat for you then. And that's the feeling that I get from, like, actually looking at the interviews and the content pieces and stuff with this team. So, I don't know, man. It's it's grim, no matter what. And I also don't even know who you would grab. Like, there's maybe some good options, but they're also equally unproven. And if you already have this infrastructure where we saw what happened in, like, the old Super Team Cloud9, the Colossus, where the, like, the coach was almost like a revolving door sort of thing for a little bit because there were conflicts, uh, allegedly conflicts with Alex or whatever. Like, when you already have, you're setting the precedent, like, now we're in a, a formula, and now this is just how it happens in this team until something radical changes. And I don't want to ha have that happen to G2 the same way it happened to the Colossus, so I don't know what's going to happen, but hopefully something well, good. It's, it's really tough, like, doing it the way G2 did, where they, like, tried to go out and get, like, the best IGL available, and then they go out and get, like, the best coach available, because... It doesn't really work that way, where you just get like a really good coach and a really good IGL, and then everything's great because they're just good at their jobs. Like there has to be like a chemistry there between like how they actually want to implement shit in the team, like what they see for the future of the team. And it's also really tough because that can like when you first talk, everything's great, like you haven't actually really worked with each other. You know, it might seem like everything lines up, and then you know you have like a month, you have like a couple bad results, and suddenly everything's like different. There's not really that chemistry anymore. People have like entirely different ideas, and that's why like. Actually, finding the right coach IGL pairing can be really tough. I mean, look at like Glaive and Zonic, right? Fucking yeah. magic together, and both of them are kind of like struggling in their own ways at the moment. Um, so yeah. I don't know. It's just tough. I, when I watched you too, I feel like no one's comfortable fully with like what the team actually is at the moment. No one seems to have any real clue what they need to be doing going forward to like actually yes. become that type of like super team that they're meant to be. And I just don't really understand what direction they can actually go from here, aside from making a change or two. And But maybe there's more to come from Alexi, maybe there's more to come from Extaz. But it needs to be something, and they need to be on the same page and actually all, like, all six of them comfortable with where they're going and where they're at. I'll, uh, I'll throw this, this one out there that I feel like... the. And I, I would never obviously really want this to happen if you were to put together a sustainable G2, but... What I fear is that if 
since I feel like Nico should be the biggest voice when talking to Carlos about the direction of this team, I think there's a slight possibility that they just get a really good fragger in for Alexi, and then they I, like this is this is like a worst nightmare scenario. But uh, but then Nico would just say, "Don't worry, I can just go back to calling or something like he used to," and they just go without an IGL and they just get a much better player for Alexi because. That always seems to actually give, in my eyes, the team a, a very short-term boost in terms of uh, they just work with the same structure that they had. And then it, it even takes away a voice, which I almost feel like is a good thing right now. With with what I also saw with the XS interview, it almost feels like what well, there's like three schools of thought right now and how they want to play Counter-Strike. Yeah. If you almost take one away from the team, it almost streamlines where this team is going. And I, it wouldn't... Like you never, I never really want Nico to be the IGL, honestly. But I actually uh, don't mind just making the team a little bit more centered. So, I, I, so I, I think uh, there are some comparisons to be made between like a player like Stewie and Nico when it comes to calling, where it seems like they're probably really strong mid round callers because they themselves are really good players and knew what site is the best one to go to, and they're really great reactive callers. But something I've been thinking about recently is the difference between like these good players who could make good comms and like you're saying keeping it simple would just win the more rounds probably than overcomplicating. but to beat a team like phase who not only have good reactive calling but they have good thematic calling i think is a thing where kerrigan can figure out what 15 rounds and a half is going to look like and all of the different changes that'll happen as the half moves along whereas it feels like with teams that are good at reactive calling they don't have an identity and then every round looks very confusing and then that's where i think players start to lose focus on what the what the goal is based on what we know. And I think that there's very few callers that are both good reactive callers and thematic callers. Kerrigan and then Blade as an IGL is really good in this regard. Or Blade as a coach is really good in this regard. I think Kadian is pretty damn good. Naphany is really damn good uh, and snappy. And then outside of that, there really aren't any, maybe Art, but you know, I think Art just kind of like barely and Hampus kind of just on the outside of that. Um, but I think that outside of those IGLs, all the other ones have that problem in common where they might be good in the mid round, they might be good at reacting, but they're not really good yeah. at creating a, a whole map. Yeah, like to give an example, like I'm like, say, like I watch like Phase of Kerrigan, right? Like I could tell that like they have like layers to like their smokes to like even like their flashes at times and like how they're using them. You know, like their utility is like often hard to figure out and like what their numbers are actually going to be. Whereas like, I remember watching Liquid when they first like had Stu calling and like had removed Nitro, and it felt very like almost like the same round to round. And you know maybe there'd be differences. Like you said, like he'd be good at like mid round calling and maybe making certain rotations or adjustments. But overall, it was almost pretty easy to read them because they were just doing the same thing for the most part. Like their numbers looked the same, the utility often looked the same. There wasn't as much much layering between things. You know, if there was, it'd be a bit more random. And so I felt like Stewie. Like when I watched him call, struggle to actually implement like a proper system. Whereas like when I watch even someone like even like Snappy, um, you know, who's had insane results recently, like I can tell there's like layers to everything that he's doing. There seems to be like an overall actual system that they're actually following. Okay, I think we okay. I'll say this: I think we talked about G two enough there. Uh, let's let's talk about the team that actually took him down, Furia. Uh, I think I think we've seen and kind of I think we've kind of liked Furia, but we maybe liked him a little too fast for the major. But I think now with this result, I'm pretty comfortable with with sort of the the position or maybe we, we, we said they were a dark horse for the major. I don't know. Looking back, if that was actually that was like completely it wasn't true afterwards, but it did yeah. feel like it. It did feel it, like it before. 
Yeah, I think we felt it because we kind of took the nature of what they were a couple years ago with their old lineup and and maybe put almost almost saying a dark horse was giving is too much pressure for that roster. Uh, but now I think I think they're actually steadily improving. And I would say that right now where this with this Furia lineup is like it makes sense that they're definitely a top 10 team. Um, I wouldn't really I wouldn't actually really ever put them as like dark horse but i actually did say okay when moses and i did like the one x bet tier list thing or whatever and we put it together the only team i wanted to put on the same level as like potential contender with phase but you would never really put him as like one that's gonna win the event was furia because i think now furia are just very consistent i don't really think that you need to do too much with this roster but do you guys think that is there some like big hole on this roster is there some reason that they're not getting past uh, where they are in the latest tournaments, like major top eight or uh, Dial- Dallas top four, like does is is there is there a glaring flaw for this team? I I actually see them a lot like heroic in the sense of they have a extremely aggressive play, and I think that's what we saw from heroic. I've interviewed a lot of the heroic players in the last few months, and <clears throat> talking to them, I kind of tried to say like. Ask them in the most polite way without making it seem backhanded. Like, if you get into high pressure situations, do you feel like your style is something that's harder to play than it would be online? And it, that's because their one their results online don't match up with the results online. Um, the, I think the difference is slightly is that Fury have always played the same and have actually like closed out even small tournaments with their their style online while they were totally unique. Like heroic didn't even exist at the time. But at these bigger events, it still could be the case, I think, that the pressure does get to Furia in a way that's hard to see. And I, I think we saw that, for example, when they played against Big um, on Vertigo at uh, Dallas, where that was one of their strongest maps, specifically due to the T side, and specifically versus Big, where they were like beating them every time. And they got like four rounds in that playoff game, even coming off the back of playing super well. And it was like, well, why why did play, that just happen? They, play, they have four against uh, G2, just to... Just to correct the, wait. it was G two. Oh, was it G two? Weren't they on the side with the? Wait a second, who played? Yeah, they played G two in the Nets, didn't they? In the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They played. Yeah. They played in play. They played big at. Uh, they played big in the end of the group stage match. Oh, uh, okay. Um, okay, maybe I'm. The. Okay, yeah. well, either way, they're they're T side Vertigo versus basically everyone. They're one of the best Vertigo teams right now. Period. It's their yes. best map. And T side is the really strong side. And uh, I was watching Safe, and Safe is actually a huge part of this. But uh, mm-hmm. Safe, Safe is very good, especially con- we have to contextualize him as a rookie. So honestly, he has some really big maps, but he also has series where he has two bad maps and one really good one. So there's some inconsistency there on top of the fact that now in some of their more important sides that are guaranteed, they're not always as good as they should be. So my only thing is, is is the pressure is the pressure actually relevant when we talk about Furia because of the way they play CS? Like when they play T side, um, I did a video on them, and it's basically the way they win Vertigo rounds is they post plant in your spawn, they smoke out the places you line up nades, and then they they play so aggressive that you can't even get comfortable on retake. So teams like Big always struggle versus that, who rely a lot on the retake utility, and so that style, which is like heroics, is one where. You are oftentimes in untradeable spots. I think the pressure mounts even heavier when you're in front of a crowd in situations like that. And it's conjecture on my part, but it's something I wonder if that a really, really aggressive style is even more nerve-wracking in a situation where there's a crowd in front of you. Yeah, like my question for Furia was just gonna be like, 
are they confident that they're actually going to improve with time, like in terms of handling the pressure, in terms of just getting better as a team when they go into these big events? Because I have been kind of expecting them to have at least like kind of like a breakthrough event, you know, making a final, contending for an event, just not even doing it consistently, but I feel like they should be able to, to do it at one of these events. And I feel like it's been steadily kind of like the same results ending up in the same place. And I do think that style when you're on the stage, just naturally, like not even counting the pressure, right? Like it's, I feel like comms are just harder. Uh, it's probably harder to like communicate, harder to get like your thoughts out in time. And that can be really tough just considering how they play around art, which is, you know, art super aggressive. They, Case Rado, Yuri especially, are very good at playing off of him and like how he dies, what kills he gets, shit like that. And that requires like a lot of mid-rounding and a lot of like being on the same page. Oh, sorry, just, so, to, just to uh, put a, a, the T-sides for both the match versus ends and versus G2, they got four and five rounds on T-sides, which is super yeah, uncharacteristic. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I do wonder if they're confident that like that's going to get better if that is an issue, or is that or is that like a hard ceiling for like their play styles, like getting on stage in these environments, and it's hard to actually get past that. So, we're, are we basically sort of asking a similar question? It's not for the same reasons, but it's similar to like the heroic or the before this event, the Cloud yeah. Nine Gambit is like you know you haven't really had as much stage time, you know, in the same sense. And so when you do get there, you're like knocked out in the, you know, this is twice for the org, not for the same lineup, obviously, uh, at major playoffs where they get knocked out at top eight. And, you know, the first time through at Stockholm, I was like, does this team, like, I'm amazed they even made playoffs. Like, I didn't peg them to do that. And then, obviously, everybody was a lot more hyped about them. So to Maui, your original point, you were talking about how maybe we we liked them too much too fast and now we have to sort of like now it's time like okay we were a bit early i kind of i vibe with that the same way because safe is it feels like his consistency is getting better and as that happens the whole team is rising up but at the same time we saw them up again i mean like we haven't even touched on this yet and maybe we don't have time to i don't know but but the event is super scuffed and the fact that they went up against like obviously they went up against some complete rosters but they were knocked out with ents with a stand-in and like, you know, I mean, to some extent, you have to say, like, you couldn't compete against, like, even a team that wasn't at full strength. But this is not the same thing as, like, right out the gate where maybe you can't get enough information on them. You can't download them the same way. This is, you know, semis in playoffs. This is you've had plenty of time to look at how they play with this guy. So, you you know, this is like losing to, you know, FaZe with JKS where it's like, okay, hats off to Kerrigan for IGLing that. But surely this should have been your way in because they're, like, still trying to adapt, but you've got enough game time to sort of anti-strat to some degree and see what their what their game plan is. So I was a little underwhelmed by the end result for Furious side, but I also think that, you know, th they did what they were supposed to do, which was get beyond top eight at an event like this, where not all the top teams are in attendance and some of the top teams that are there are scuffed. So upward trajectory. I, I think we have to wait a little bit though, because Dallas felt more like an exhibition tournament to me than a real tier one tournament. And that's one of those things where it's just like, we got to wait until the next full, like with, you know, no COVID stuff and no visa stuff, no issues at all. Let's see what all of these teams can do on land against each other, preferably on a stage as well. So that's my take. To be honest, I'm not sold on Furia being a title contender this year, like whatsoever. After watching them in the last two, three events, it's just... Yes, they're consistently able to take down like a couple of big names, but I don't see their style being consistent enough to actually like get tournament wins. Like they'll they'll beat the occasional top team, but I I think their style relies so much on art either multi-fragging in opening rounds or if art doesn't get that for Caserato and Yuri to be able to trade off of him and then multi-frag on their own. And if neither of those two things happen, they just fall flat in every single like they they have no 
other contingency other than one of those two things working out. That's how I just feel watching them. And like, yes, they have a couple of layers on top of that with the way they've built around our system. But if neither of those two things are clicking, then they have no other like gear to shift into. And I've yet to see them kind of come up with something that would make up for that. I don't so think they, you can. I was well, going to say, I don't think you can consistently yeah. rely on like art to be like your third star player. Yeah. Which is like kind of how I feel he still is at the moment. And I feel like Safe really needs to like be integrated into the team, be more consistent, and just have more consistent impact overall and like really rise up as like a third star that like sides along with like Yuri and K Serato. I think the the I almost feel like we just have to shift the narrative for Furia right now, whereas two, three years ago they were the upset anybody type team. But I think now I look at them more as gatekeepers where yes. I, it's almost like they're never, I almost see them never beating a team that's better than them anymore. Like the only result recently that it felt like was them beating a team that's better than them is, I guess you would say cloud nine in the, in the group stage of Dallas. Uh, but other than that, they always like, they're not it's just, they're like the team that shows you G2 is bad. Yeah. Yeah. They'll, they'll just, they'll, exactly. They're just going to be there and just like, pick a hole like pick pick at your weaknesses but they're not really gonna like for a team that's just like fate like i would never right now phase ends uh i don't know if i really would put i don't know like a, a better like a full strength navi like i i never really see furia winning those kind of ordeals at all I, anymore I will, I will also say that uh art actually should come into question a little bit i mean he does drop off on land he also is the last of the IGLs, who I personally think Art had a huge influence on the scene as a whole, even in Europe yes. with his style, especially in 2020. I think Glaive, Kerrigan, uh, Kadian, they're all kind of born of this idea that you could be more aggressive. Information might be worth it for you know, positional advantage over like losing a player in a 5v5. And Art is actually, I th and Hampus also. So I think Art is the last one who is the farthest away from his teammates when they attempt these plays with him. And so a lot of it does come down to, like Noah was saying, whether or not he gets the kill. And we see in Hampus is not nearly as aggressive as he once was. Kadian is much closer to his teammates when they're going for refrags. Uh, Kerrigan, not even the same player when we compare 2022. Now, he used to just... I remember on, like, when even Train was in the pool, he would just run out of T-mid, uh, through a smoke, die take a snapshot of outside and then tell his teammates what to do. And they'd win, try to win off that. And he'd end the map with like a 0.7 and they'd lose really important games. And Glaive doesn't do that anymore either. Everybody actually stopped, but Art's obviously, he's, he invented it, so he can't really uh, go off of that. But a lot rests on whether or not he gets the kill. Don't you think that maybe yeah. a reason why his his land drop-off happens, like obviously there's nerves, there's needing stage time, there's needing practice. Maybe there's like the other team taking it more seriously because it's a stage match. But also, it's harder to hear stuff when there's like, you know, it's harder to hear stuff on land than it is online. It's harder to hear stuff on stage than it is on land. There's just more signal noise. Well, and I, you need information. Hard, though, right? Well, you need information yeah, if you're so far away, right? So I would but just think it's really hard like to call. Usually a loud, I mean, like an aggressive rush is better on land because yeah. they was, can't hear you. I was going to yeah. wonder, I was going to wonder, like, teams that play Fury, if it's easier to kill Art on land just because of how the game works. It's like, you know, just how the game feels on land compared to online. Oh, yeah. When someone's just wide swinging you every round, like, is that easier to kill on land than online? I want to, I want to ask someone that's like played, that can remember playing Art on both. You should just play on exit lag to Europe when he's on land. Just that 200 <laughs> ping is swing. Yeah, just get a VPN, actually. Um, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't really like. I'm not. I'm not like real ready to throw out 
guess like the art with the bathwater, just because uh, with the way like <laughs> I definitely not ready to do that because I don't see. Phrasing. Yeah. I, there's yeah. not a single person I can think of that I would like replace art with as an IGL and feel like yeah, you'd get that's you know what I mean. The thing is, I think I, I think their plays are just maybe a little too one dimensional. I guess like I almost want to see like what would be really cool is if like on T side they just ran a couple more things for just like. Yuri to take an opening fight because when I watch like their map control procedures for uh, like Vertigo and for Mirage, he it's it is art doing a ridiculous play, even sometimes if he doesn't have the best spawn for it. And I think that's something where people like Snappy and Kadian for Heroic, I mean, not Kadian doing it himself, but like anybody on Ents or anybody on Heroic can just do the play because they do yes. it based off of who has the best spawn for it as opposed to who is the best person for the job necessarily. Like every person could be the best person for the job and they become the best person if they have the best spawn. And I think that's sort of the mentality a few teams at the top are taking. And I think that uh, Fury, it, it's definitely time for Furia to adapt that as opposed to just sending art every time. Um, so. Also, I, they pretend they pretend they're pretty like random and crazy. But if you like art has set plays, he has like a lot of set plays. If you watch his two yeah. side new, he does the same thing at Squeaky every single time. He'll do the same thing towards Ramp. He'll do the same. You can you could watch his game and then figure out exactly like one of the five things that he'll try. Even if they're all crazy, like beta timing, you might know he'll he's going to do that specific one. What Fury and Art need to do is they just need to have they gotta have like art mode, right? Which is where he just holds W and just fucking just is in your face. And then they just need to have like another mode, just like Navi mode or something, where like the round after they just switch into like sitting and spawn until there's like forty seconds left. And I'm just thinking of like the whiplash that would give a team playing against them. That is my favorite part about Furia, though. Like, you know how they do, like, they'll do, like, crazy aggressive overpass, and then all of a sudden they'll, like, walk bathrooms all the way into the side and plant without a single... Yeah, I mean, literally, just just, just sit and, like, your default spots until there's, like, 30 seconds left, and the other team just went, dude, where the fuck are these guys? All right. Bean can. <laughs> what the fuck is bean can? I actually still don't know. Bean can is it's when you when you do the when you do the jump up boost on overpass short yeah. B. There's a you look down and you see a bean can, and that's how you line up how far you can go. It's, it's the like, stupidest yeah. call out of all time. I think for free, boost. the freakazoid clip. The yeah, freakazoid yeah. Clip. Yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. Bean can. We just call that like crims boost or something. Well, because literally, because you look down and it's literally a can on the ground. So and it's how do they like know it was can. beans? Is there a texture? Does it say? Well, it, it actually when when someone first told yeah, me what bean if it was can, cocaine. it actually you're, you're right. Why was it <laughs> method? Me, what is it called? What was the thing actually called? Methadone? I can I, I was gonna say that one, but I can't. Remember. Could have been methadone. Could have been yeah. a methadone can. Yeah. Who knows, man? It, it, like the thing is, it could have been Adderall. Where are you guys getting time. it that it comes in a can? Hook me up. Beans. <laughs> oh, no. oh, you mean, you mean, I'm so confused what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay, let's just move on then. Let's just yeah. move on. Um, let's let's talk about let's talk about ends. I, 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 okay, let's talk about ends. But I, I'll just put this forward. I'll put this forward. I don't think this is like something where you obviously heavily judge ends, but I think it's uh, three things were very impressive for me about this tournament. One is that the snappy system could work even with a random fifth. Like that was the the first thing where I was. Like Jesus, the, the fact that they were able to too. Like, say what? I said literally for their best player too. Like it wasn't yeah. just like you know. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that was probably the most impressive thing: the fact that they could go one for one and make it work. The second is that I think that uh, Hades played really well at this event. When I went back, when I looked at his demos while prepping for some of my segments, I was like, 
Okay, he just became the most mobile opper of all time at this tournament. I don't know if that's because of him recognizing or him saying to himself, oh, wow, Spinks is gone, so I got to do more. But he should always do this. That's what I, I maybe maybe not to the extent he did at this tournament, but maybe you could. Maybe he could do it at this tournament. Maybe he could be as mobile and like mid round for himself as much as possible. Because I talked to them like I talked to Modern and Hades a little bit, actually. Uh, after the games one day and Madden kind of was like almost to me and Hades. He was like, that's what an opera should do. Opera should be moving. Like he was almost kind of like just so elated that Hades was finally doing this. And he's kind of like, this is what you always should have been doing. Hades. That's kind of, that's kind of how I read that, that conversation that I had with them. And the last thing is that snacks is just so fun to watch. Like, like yeah. this guy is seriously always doing the sneakiest trickiest plays even if he gets caught it's like a it's like an oh man i wish you got away with that kind of moment sort of thing and i i, I wish i wish there were more events or <laughs> almost like this i wish you were actually just better and more consistent in the greater scheme yeah. of things because i want to see him on a good team so that i can see his antics unfold more yeah. frequently but i feel like it's very hard for a team to go through like the whole like grinding through tier three to tier two to tier one with a player like snacks because sometimes you're just gonna get mad at him you're gonna be like bro why the fuck why are you fucking pulling your knife out in the vent like every third round you know so <laughs> do you guys have any other opinions about ends at this tournament because it was like i don't know i mean like they are playing with a stand-in i think yeah. i mean i think this result was just a testament to snappy's like excellent calling and leadership as well like the yeah. the fact that they're able to get this sort of result while missing their best player is like that just shows that snappy is the real deal like he actually has like it's not just a fluke like the results they've had are not like outliers or anything i think this really proved that he has what it takes to consistently and that it's not just the top team Carol. exactly yes yeah yeah, I mean, the fact that Sna Snacks did carry in the exact same way Spinks would in some of those matches says a lot. To I, I don't know how you can get someone to be that comfortable all of a sudden, even though it's it's Snacks. I mean, it's not like land pressure is a big deal for him, but just the fact that he could do it, to have the space, to feel good about it. And then they got the Polish buff for Hades too, and he was just hitting shots. I still, I, I think obviously it could all recede to the mean afterwards, right? Like Snacks goes back, plays tier two, falls off again, or whatever it is. He's not even doing bad, but not playing tier one matches. And then Hades as well. I think, I don't know. I, I saw Hades, like, even in his big match on uh, Ancient, where he had, like, a 25 kill CT side. It was kind of like he was just hitting everything. He put himself in really good spots. I still think Hades, it, it doesn't, doesn't to me, have that same kind of quality of an opera where he hits all the clutch shots. Like, I think that's like, one thing is where, like, the really, really hard flick sometimes, he just doesn't, he just doesn't hit them in important spots. And I kind of feel like that's missing i don't know how you guys feel about that but um i i, I see hades as a, a really good player and also on a team that maybe doesn't need actually doesn't need a super elite off because they have deha and sphinx who are unbelievably good for riflers but yeah not still not totally sold yeah also had a really good tournament actually i think he was an mvp contender heading into the final so pretty legit like all around a really good showing from the whole team to Alondra's yeah, point, a, a product of the uh, envious nifty system. Yeah, you're welcome. Wait, was Diha actually on a lineup with that guy? Yeah. Was that like Flashpoint or something? I, I totally forgot about that. What was the lineup? It was like Nifty, Diha, Calix, Moose, and Ryan. <laughs> Kerrigan era envy. Was, was, was it? Wasn't it, it me who? I thought it was, was me who and not Diha. Oh, Jeez, oh you're just confusing Polish people. <laughs> the reason I'm thinking of this is that like... it was supposed to be Diha, and then he went to uh, FBX, so I forgot that wasn't actually him. You saved well, it. Diha's better than Mihu, so 
That's 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 yeah. a that's great. If they would have got that based on factual, I'm still going to call him a product of the nifty. Hey, actually, system, actually, however. I'm just gonna bring this up. I'm gonna bring this up on the envious note. So uh, Hastro actually went to this event, went to Dallas, and he actually talked to a few of us. And like the first thing, and he said this to like it, apparently like five unique groups of people. But the first thing that Hastro said to like everybody was basically like, "Oh, you Counter Strike guys, like." He just wanted to apologize. He's like, oh, I'm like, sorry about the things I said on Twitter in the past about Counter-Strike. I still really like the game. It's just like he was kind of just felt bad about his investment in it. And he, you know, like lashed out. Um, and it, there were some personal issues going on with him and his family at the time that added stress on like external stress to him saying some of those things. Like when he got mad at Sponge about. Counter what did he say exactly? Like Counter Strike was like Motel is booked. Okay. Yeah, I don't want yeah. to be walking into it anymore. That's what he yeah, that's what he said, right? Something about Roach. What did he say? Roach Motel? Oh, yeah, he called CS. He, he told like, me to go back to the CS Roach Motel. Oh, that's right. It was to note. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was to note. Okay. Because he tweeted something about like uh NVS being the best FPS like organization. Uh, go back like five, ten years, like the results are there. So I just screenshotted Envy's results from the last five years, and I was like, yeah, I don't know about this. <laughs> and then he got really pissed, and he's like, Oh, these reporters, like, go back to your CS Roach Motel. And then he tried to like call me out for talking about Envy Valorant having an alleged match fixer on their team. He's like, go and do some investigation. So I just screenshotted the MDL like folder of match fixing <laughs> investigations that I have. It's <laughs> replied yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, that gets me every single say, time. Honestly. I will say, to Hastro's credit, I did walk up to him uh, at the end of one of the nights and just went to be like, hi, I'm Note. And his immediate, like, the first words out of his mouth were like, I know, I'm sorry. He is one of the guys that is really cool in real life and just yes. his career is not a good ref reflection of the kind of person he is, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and to, to what Maui was saying, he did like, he did apologize and he had like extenuating personal circumstances uh, at the time that did kind of cause that. So after he kind of explained that, I kind of understood a little bit more contextually and he was pretty apologetic so yeah that was that was a good as note soon, as soon as you said that to me i said the only thing you have to apologize to me for is making me watch that nifty roster for yes point straight so yeah. that's yeah other than that i think that he's like he kind of said he kind of made an inclination that he wanted to get back into cs yes he said so, the same thing. he said similar things to me yeah so there might be there might be a new envy team and hopefully it's a so hopefully it's on better you know better standing or gets on better standing than what we saw re most recently okay uh let's get to what i think was this was okay this was flat out i think the best bo3 of the last two major tournaments was cloud nine versus phase i don't think there's a single game a single game from the major that was more interesting than this one for me uh so yeah let's talk about it axile went absolutely god mode in this one had one of the sickest clutches i've seen in a minute and i think that we can put to bed some of the idea that he okay well no notes getting his pc back but either way we can put to bed some of the idea that axile is an onliner i'm i'm not like i'm not i'm gonna say this i'm not like entirely sold on like everybody all at once with this roster but i think that when you have a player like him just absolutely blowing people out of the water uh there's not there's not too much anybody else can do on the opposing teams but i'm ready to hear anybody go up against that statement i'm i'm with you except i would put 
Shiro right there at the same at the same tier. I mean, Shiro had an unbelievable like he had a 1.50 rating over the three maps in the final. He had yeah. uh, he he is right now second player even on LAN in 2022, and Axel's right after him. And I think that they both just quashed the story about their online performances not matching online uh, like at the same time. And uh, I'm just really happy for them. On a side note, I'm just finally glad we don't have to talk about them. To people who don't watch CS, who wonder if they're actually good, and the only thing that they can understand is the results, they can now at least they can now just see the results as well and understand that uh, these players are playing like if you ask any players and they talk about Shira and Axel they're like these players are nuts even when they were online even when I talked to Glaive he was he was saying like I think they're going to be fine online and that might not actually have been true but now they proved that part but everybody knew that Axel and Shiro were unbelievable counter-strike players I think that's one thing that at least now they can we can say as people who know CS and we can prove to people who only know results agreed uh okay yeah, I, I think, well, the thing with Shiro for me is is that I, I guess it's like a team thing, but the way that he played in the Imperial series was like really still like it's still uh, like the way he died in some of the rounds in that and just the the way I, I guess the, the whole team. Yeah, at the major at the major, the way he played in that one made me really like I'm. Well, he choked. It, to... he, he did choke before. He used to choke. Yeah. His finals were bad in his uh, the matches where they would get they would lo- like get disqualified from something. He was bad. So yeah. this is huge for his story in that regard. So so I put it like this: like Axel has now shown me for two events in a row that he can play well. Because even in the Imperial one, he played overall pretty solid CS. Whereas whereas someone like Shiro kind of needed to like ride with Axile for a bit to get up to this. And I think that now that he has confidence that he doesn't have to be the one delivering, he can probably build upon this. Shiro, that is. I think Shiro can build upon this sort of uh, this sort of tournament. But now I've seen, I have seen uh, Axile do it consecutively, in so much so that I can say that he's a sure thing on land. Whereas Shiro, it's one land that he did well, but right before this land he did pretty badly. Or like, beneath, well beneath his standards Major, is how I yeah. put it. Yeah, so I want I want to put Shiro in that one. I want to put everybody else in that sort of conversation that they all could do it, but I want to see them be able to build off of this still. Um, but surefire thing, Axile top top five player. Yeah, I don't I don't see anybody else up there right now. Uh, don't you so. think that the like this phase series really was the grand final of the event? You know, like for me anyway, that was it was like the the main series I wanted to watch, and when it happened, it was glorious. And the thing about it too is that I went back and watched the VOD. I didn't catch it live, and at that point, I had already seen Kerrigan tweet out that like, oh, we never arrived in Dallas, and this is sad. GG's to C9 and stuff. And I was like, oh, maybe that's going to be like a disappointing phase performance. But they actually were pulling out the stops, like they were doing stuff. Yeah. It wasn't like phase. I mean, maybe you could say that like Rain didn't play to his MVP level form or something, or you could like point to like individual moments that like the system collapsed or the players like <clears throat> there's like a twist shot where with a Deagle on Inferno a site where he's like, clearly he should have the advantage, but he like quick switches or something weird happens and he has the like a Jax moment. And then, you know, he just things go wrong. And but like that wasn't that was an isolated incident. Straight. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So uh, the, 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 the these are isolated moments in, in the overall Bo3, and it was really like exciting CS. 
So for me, I just think like, no, this phase, it wasn't that they were super understrength. You know, maybe you can make an argument that like a tournament shouldn't be a week after a major or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like, okay, that this is what we got. And these are the circumstances doled out. Phase look reasonable. They obviously had that like sort of mini comeback thing going on overpass. They took Cloud9's pick and they looked like they were going to be on lock when they, it was like 12-12 or something on Inferno when they broke the economy of Cloud9 on the defense. This is stuff that you think you look at it and you're like, wow, like Phaser just going to take this and Cloud9, like, you know, they had really good rounds. They had really good set pieces, really good plans, but they're just going to fall away. And instead they come all the way back. Like it was, you know, David versus Goliath. And that to me was like what was so impressive about the win. The fact that they went on to then sort of consummate it after and get the W for the whole event is obviously needed for the whole story. But I felt like when they defeated FaZe, they had won the event at that point in their own minds. Because this is like a stage match. Yeah, they have some home team support or whatever from the people cheering on Cloud9. Um, but yeah, it's just it was really cool to see them actually break through the the sort of barrier, you know. And and yeah, hopefully I mean, this is a start of an actual like parity era between the teams. Like hopefully Navi gets up to better strength. Cloud9 keeps this form going and keeps improving. You know, we talked about some other teams like Fury or G2 if they get their houses in order. Uh, and obviously phases money. So if we can do that, then we can have like literally we could theoretically make a bracket of like two different team or two different tournaments running at the same time with, with all like fire matches no matter what depending on how many teams we get at the top level so that's that's where i'm hoping the scene heads it's tough to really see in my eyes it's tough to see phase actually just coming back to dominance actually because i don't because when you look at what happened with the major i don't really think that getting a performance like we saw out of rain there and even kerrigan as individuals is something that any phase fan should expect moving forward i think you can trust that at this point rops is like just mega mega consistent and you brokey is quite good I, I think also like brokey at this event did a little bit worse than he did at the major but still really solid play and twist kind of performing up to actually kind of where i thought he should be uh for most events with phase but yeah, I think that when you break it down, there's probably a few teams that should basically be in the running to win every event moving forward. Now that Cloud9 have gotten over the the hump yes. of playing in stadiums, um, I'm still yet to see what Navi is going to come up with if they really are going to get Buster or not. But I but if you got if you do have like a Phase, a Navi, a Cloud9, uh, who else could you throw in there? Maybe even a Heroic. Uh, then then you really do have a a, a good. I guess like top four right there that and should ends? be and oh geez yeah sorry I don't know how I forgot them but yeah you have ends too that are just hyper competitive and I don't think really I don't really think there's any reason that you should re strongly believe like almost one is even going to surely win a tournament moving forward yeah. like for Cologne for example I don't I don't know who I'd pick right now moving into Cologne as my number one team which actually makes it really exciting honestly I think the the whole thing that Cloud Nine broke two barriers at this event. It really changes up a lot for me in terms of just watching things. It's both the fact that they won this tournament, but also the the win against FaZe was so important because they haven't beaten this roster yet. They had not beaten this roster yet, yeah. I should say. Um, and more importantly, they beat them on Inferno, which I don't think that they've ever taken off of them, uh, which was actually a massive win because otherwise you always have that map pool stacked against you and that sort of, like, you have to win your own map pick and win the decider which just makes winning that much harder. So I think getting both of those over the line is absolutely incredible because now we have we have five contending teams for titles, which, like, 
having a favorite going into the event is cool and all, but having like five teams who could just beat each other on any given day makes it just more exciting to watch. Like that's way more stakes to actually enjoy watching a tournament. Yeah. I think uh I think phase for for me, I think they I mean they they're looking for an era. I mean that just might be you know my perspective as a fan thinking like this is the next thing for them to achieve. Uh there's obviously a lot of discourse around Kerrigan and like his status as what place in history is he as an IGL. And I don't know how he feels about it because I know his ultimate goal was to get a major and i'm not surprised to see him get probably a little tired but right after i mean rain has also been on that journey from the beginning um and like watching Rain's stats just drop off every year after he lost boston i don't i think the correlation is direct like he and now now getting that is that enough are they satiated i wonder but i think kerrigan is the best caller right now but for me he's not the best caller of all time because he's never proven that he can be the number one team for extended period of time which also just means that you have a an era and i think that the one thing lacking for kerrigan in the history of him as a caller is that he has first of all never had to hold the number one stop, spot for an extended period of time and therefore also never had to invent in the meta to stay number one whereas innovating and catching a tailwind and keeping up and being just good enough to beat the top teams or close out a tournament here and there is a whole different problem whereas like any team that has had an era, like uh, with Glaive, for example, had to also define where the meta went constantly in order to stay ahead and prove that his new ideas that have been untested work. And I don't think we've seen that from FaZe. And for me, that's what I want to see for them. And that's what I think would be kind of the final test, because I feel like on every other front, Kerrigan has proved everything. Like he win tournaments with random players. He's played with like lots of players. He has also played with some of the most good players in history under any IGL. So there is that asterisk for me. But um, the final thing, and I think the most important thing, and the thing that would just actually give him a chance, from, in my eyes, to have, have like GOAT status would be the era. Well, the era thing is going to be a bit harder now because it's going to be... I mean, I, I still can't believe that this tournament still counted for a Grand Slam, but it did. And so the fact that like now FaZe is in a situation where they have to win presumably full strength tournaments, it's going to make it even more impressive if they do. Um, one of the things that's so exciting to me about this sort of, well, I'll use the same term era, but it's obviously meaning different things, is this, this section of time in Counter-Strike history is that the teams that are at the top are playing so differently. Like FaZe and C9 can be fast or slow, but the reasons for them choosing to be that are very different um, compared to each other. And then you've got Ents, which is like, I guess, a more well-rounded team, sort of comparable to like a big or Astralis, but obviously to a higher level than either of those teams are at now. And like, you just go down the list and the contenders are all like finding themselves within the style and using the game as like a canvas or whatever to express that. And that's the most exciting thing to me. Cause if it was just like, you know, a, a rank order of like who can be most like Astralis or something like the old school era defining Astralis of like who can be the most tactical and sensible then it would actually just be like okay one beats two beats three beats four but that's not at all the situation so if FaZe get an era now that I think that does have to cement me cement Kerrigan for me as GOAT IGL I'm already kind of biased towards him anyway because he had to face way more challenges than somebody like Lave did in terms of like adapting different players and coming up with different teams and all this other stuff. Um, and I guess he's just had a bit of a longer career if you want to count his older days, but you know, we're thinking about goat in the context of CSGO, I imagine. So it's just like, if, if they actually secure an era in this, like in the face of all of these contending teams, it's going to be real money. I have I think... one, com I have one counter for the, the argument that Kerrigan has had to adapt a lot of different players. 
I think the primary reason he's had to adopt a, a lot of different players is because he's never had a team that can be number one. So that's like the argument against Glaive that he had to, uh, well, he, first of all, he did win a major with two different carries, kind of Magisk and, and Kirby, but sure. uh, the there is no there's no reason for him to change when the team works. Whereas for Kerrigan, they just constantly either had to get kicked off his own team, have new players come in, buy a bunch of star players, try it with different rosters, all simply because none of those teams worked. Yeah, but the team that he won a major with doesn't have a, te- a player that is number one. So, like, that's what you were mentioning. That he's got Neither like some Astralis. of the... Okay, sure, sure. But what, this is like a case where, for me where it's like, as the game gets more on in years, like, you can call this recency bias, I guess, and maybe that's fair. But it's like... I think the game gets harder the longer it goes, you know? I guess it's an open question as to whether or not the same level of skill Astralis would have the same level of success. But for me, it's, it's just like... Probably see, 2018 was harder than 2021, I think, honestly. Just because of all the In factors? Of the amount of, and the amount of teams that were all good at the same time. I think the most, uh, that the rockiest actually modern year, I think, was 2021 in terms of how many teams were actually uh, solid. I think, well, I think like the Stockholm major was like really kind of weirdly easy for Navi. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just to put yeah, that out there. The yeah. yeah. Like there was every team almost had a f- fatal flaw to them. Like literally who they played in the grand finals didn't have an opera. <laughs> like that's pretty stupid. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but I um, actually, I want to turn this question to I think kind of Launders gave up, gave his opinion or maybe slyly did already. But do you guys think that? phase is going to accomplish their grand slam they have to win two of the last like of their next seven yes grand slam circuit events i yeah okay so you say yes no mix oh, no, so I, I was just saying yes to um, your to your point oh you're, oh you're just confirming that it's that i'm right yes <laughs> I, was, I was gonna mention it right before you so i'm glad oh, that okay you said it too. yeah so two out of the two out of the upcoming seven uh, we don't know what all seven of those events are going to be, but right now there's Cologne, there's Pro League, and there's the Rio Major. Those are the next three. So, um, I'll mix. Mix. Do you think? Yeah. Do you think they're going to win or what? I think my gut says they won't. They're not gonna. They're not gonna get two of the events. And you guys are like talking about metas, right? All I'm saying is that if C9 discovers the flashbang, they're going to be unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> Truth. <laughs> They will be a really <laughs> strong team if they learn how to flash assist. Yes. No. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so you, I, actually, I actually asked Hobbit about that, by the way, in the interview yeah. I did with him. But I cut it from the from the final piece because his answer, yeah. like, he had no idea how to answer it. I was like, so you're like, there's a lot of talk from like on the desk about how uh, your team's flash assists are super low compared to like other teams, and like you don't you drive people right. to control a bit more, and he's like. Yeah, it's uh, like, yeah, I haven't really thought about that. It's kind of just their style. And I'm like, I was watching them on Vertigo. Like, I was watching them on Vertigo, and Axel, they have like one flash left. Like, maybe like one or two flashes on the scene. There's like two seconds left. And Axel just like is like playing like back gen on Vertigo B site. And he just tosses yeah. a flash towards B main. And like, they don't do anything with it. Like, they, just, it just buys them like one second of time. Like, I don't know. I don't understand it. So I will say this, actually, about their flashes. I was like, get it. I mean, I still get on them for it. But actually, if you took just the three playoff series that they played and used that small sample size for flash assists, they had 0.24 flash assists per round. And I think when I look back at 
maybe like their last five or so tournaments, or even even going back to things I definitely remember in the online era when they were winning, that would, if that were just a full tournament, the playoff run that they had at Dallas, it would have been better flash assist than any, any tournament they played for like the last two years. So it's like they suddenly learned how to use flashes just for this playoff run, actually. <laughs> I think, yeah, that's why they lost on Inferno. Phase like Kerrigan kept getting flashed mid, and he was like, "What? They're not allowed to use that, don't they know?" That's that's how that's how they beat Phase because they were like, "How how is this happening to us?" But I think one weird thing is that I noticed that they were getting a lot of flash assists in like every pistol round. So it's like they were just stacking up flash assists in the first round of each half, and then and then it kind of went back a little bit more to their to, to normality. But I think that. I think they actually did flash better in the playoffs. And I, I actually I, I, do I'm gonna, remember. I'm going to take full credit for that. I'm going to take full credit. I do remember one pistol round where I think they just chucked three flashes and both players on site were just like triple full blind for about 10 seconds. And I'm like, wow, something's different here. This doesn't look like, like this is not normally. Um, to, for your original question about the Grand Slam, I think two out of the next seven events, FaZe can win. Yeah. I think that that's like it's just too many chances. Yeah, with their current form, for them not to actually be able to take that over the line. But I agree I with that, Maui. Maybe like, not that's Cologne, just insane, right? Yeah, maybe not Cologne. Yeah, maybe not but, Cologne. Maybe not the real major. But then, like for some reason, it just feels like pro league's always easier. So yeah. just pro pro league, they could win that. Uh, but then, and then you kind of don't know what the events are going to be after that. Like based off of what ESL seems to be wanting to do <clears throat> with with like different events there could be like a random iem beijing or something where it's like 16 teams and it's part of the grand slam and yeah and like two of them are asian teams two of them are american teams and i'm just giving them a really easy route that they so eg wins so egpa wins yeah and and what about iem Riyadh at the end of the year rio when, Riyadh. Riyadh? <laughs> <laughs> Riyadh. we had to uh we had to the uae yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean, it could be something like that, and I don't know. I what's actually going. don't think they're going to do an event there, like a big sixteen team event there, as far as I know. I think the minimum qualifications for an event to be uh, no, actually, I, there there have been, you know, there have been events in the Grand Slam before that are eight team events. So I am Beijing could be yeah, Beijing, an eight team yeah. event with with phase there. So that's uh, speaking like, of. Yeah, well, I was, sorry, this is completely off topic, but I was just thinking of events in the Middle East. <laughs> I was just thinking of that Dubai event that's happening right now. Yeah, get, saw, get yeah. The, Dude, the, did you see the bracket for this? It's free for ZTR. Free it is, ZTR. yeah. We could we could get in. We'll, let's actually let's let's just keep moving forward in this one, and we could actually see if we have time for that because I know we have a hard stop in forty minutes. So uh, let's just let's just move on to the next topic here. Let's do. Um, I actually don't really think we need to cover too much more about the, the bracket, unless you guys, I mean, okay, well, let's do like one shout out to Big here, because Big made it to the semifinals, oh, um, I have to, I'm legally contracted to say nice things about Big, that's why I get merch from them and housed in Berlin, but, uh, so, yeah, Big, Big made it to top four this one, I think what I'm, my biggest takeaway from Big that I'm liking lately is I think, I just think like Crimbo and Favin are super freaking legit. I think they have slotted into these roles exceptionally well. I think that the structure of Big is better than it was, but it also could be like, I, I start to think like, oh, that was a well put together round by Big, but it's also like, well, Crimbo and Favin did just get like two kills. So that also could, I, I'm not sure they're, if they're I'm looking close to players. Yeah. yeah, yeah but think, we, have to be, we also have to have healthy 
I think we have to balance between like literal phenoms like Saiwu and Monacy and stuff and just really fucking good players who are in their rookie year. And even like when I was, I was really hard on Brokey in year one, even though his stats were pretty good because he just got overrated being on phase. But then he actually got really nuts the year after, which you could forecast just watching how good he was fundamentally in the, in the beginning. Maybe just a little bit worried, maybe playing a little conservative, but he opened up and got a lot better. And that's kind of what I see with Favin and Krimbo, which is like with their former teammates, it was like, no, I couldn't see Keto end up being as good as Krimbo or Favin will be in a year or two. I mean, they're just way more cerebral. Yeah. Like Krimbo's clutches are undeniable, dude. He is so in, he's so nuts. I mean, he was just winning some today versus MIBR in the Pinnacle Cup. And I was, or whatever the tournament's called. And it was just like the major. He just keeps happening. Yeah. The Pinnacle Major. (laughs) Still waiting for Tapson to to join an international roster. Honestly, this guy's unreal. But I feel like maybe, I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to know. Like, I I think. That's like, probably the worst part about this Dallas result is that it just made that very no, unlikely. Wait, no, no, no. I think this. I think this. I think actually, in a, I was actually ready to tweet this, but like earlier today. But I was like, let me hold off. <laughs> I think in a year and a half, Primbo will be the one that people seek to get for an international roster. I really, truly believe that. Like this guy, I think has shown me enough already signs that this guy will overtake Tapson as the best German player. I, I really believe that. This I haven't I'll seen no because right now the two best international teams don't need players like Krimbo and probably won't for the longest time. But they will need an aggressive yes. rifle and an yes. ICL. Okay, I agree. But I okay, but I'm I'm saying that okay, you can't really just overtake somebody in a year and a half. But in terms of like looking at his pure skill, I think Krimbo next. I almost think like Krimbo next year will be HLTV top twenty. Not not a twenty twenty two prediction, but it's twenty twenty three one. Krimbo. Give him four. Give him seventeenth. Give him seventeenth for me. That's where I think he's going to be. And Tabson's never been top twenty, by the way. So something to note. Uh, all right, let's move on. Let's move on to some other topics in the space. Uh, this is a fun signing that is just kind of. I don't know. I don't even. I don't even know what to think of it. I'm just interested in it. Kirby to endpoint. So Kirby uh, lost some weight. He got a. He got a long haircut he looks like legolas um i would let him have sex with my girlfriend and he's out there now he's on a he's on a british team i don't have a girlfriend so i can say these things indiscriminately that's why um no i mean kirby's out there uh i have no cucking fantasies at all i just say that because it's just one of those things people throw out there when they give compliments to people i Literally, it was just it was just so weird and cut. like he's a sick player, has some sick flash assists. I'd let him fuck my girlfriend. <laughs> like, yeah. Sorry, how is this the progression? Totally. That's yeah. how things go. Does he have to have the man bun while it happens, or like what do you, um, do you think? Preferably, yeah. yeah, no. I, I mean, I think this is something that's kind of interesting. But the problem for for me is that it's with Boro for Boros, uh, who I thought was like a really promising young player yeah. for 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 Endpoint, and I now I'm kind of like. Like, I, I kind of just wish it were for one of the older guys on the team, you know? Like, just if, if you want to really show that you're taking a new direction with Endpoint. But now that I actually, I don't know if you guys, I don't know if this is public information, so I don't know if I can really disclose this. But it's just kind of like, okay, Surreal, Crucial, and and Mighty Max are, are like essential core pieces to Endpoint. That's as much as I can say without breaching anything in terms of what their contracts are with that roster. Because they've told me, like, everything about it, and I don't know if that was supposed to be in confidence or not, but all I'll say is that they're really sticking with those three guys through thick and thin. So, But they got Kirby for Boros, and I think that's kind of a cool move, and I, I'm kind of interested in just where Kirby heads, but what they, do you guys... 
have to say about it. They must have struggled with like communication or general play style with Boris, just considering he wasn't like lighting the world on fire or anything. And so I would imagine there was probably like, other issues uh, contributing there. So they just felt TRB is a good option. He's coming back. Also, because I feel like when you bring in like an older player like this, you're kind of like bringing him back almost. He's less likely to get like instantly poached if he does perform well. So that's always a plus for endpoint. So I think I think it's a good move, and I am pretty excited to see Kirby play again. I think the fact that this kid is still only 24, major champion, major MVP, like two-time top 20 player, and now he's back, the amount of potential that he actually brings to a roster like this is kind of, like, I don't want to say indescribable because that's just kind of a useless term, but I just think that the amount of value he can bring to a team like Endpoint is, like, far better than what they've had in the last, like, year, probably. As at, like minimum, but can you trust someone who would leave Astralis? Uh, yeah, yeah like hey, that, more than that's <laughs> a really sensitive topic for him. <laughs> okay, people in chat are writing what what I know about Endpoint, and enough people have written it that I'm just gonna say it again because this is this is what I've heard, and I guess it's public information now that basically End uh, Endpoint have given Mighty Max, Surreal, and Crucial equity in the company, and that anybody that actually gets bought out or transferred, like Boros. All of those guys make money because of that. So that's why they're incentivized to actually build up these young stars. And almost in a way, this is kind of, uh, I don't know if I should really perceive it as this, but it's almost like they're incentivized to like, say, just uh, support the shit out of these players to boost their stats to then sell them off so that everybody just makes money in the company. But uh, I, I don't... Yeah. Wait, well, so it's an, it's an incredible idea from them. So they can sell Kirby to Astralis as another sixth player. Yeah. It's actually a long-term plan. If, if Astralis ever spent money on buying people out, that would be an option for them, but uh, in, in actuality, it's more likely that it's going to be a team like G2 that goes for it. True. Could you yeah. imagine G2 Kirby? What world? I, I think there this is kind of... Kirby. Just uh, jokes aside, I think this kind of thing is, is a little bit better. There are some players that I wonder about, like Shuhei from the Academy League Maui, where it's like, clearly in an unbelievable IGL with like a lot of talent, but also there's an incentive to keep them on the academy lineup so that when new players come in, they can all get better really fast. And then they have not only a good feeder, a stronger feeder system, but now good IGLs on either side of it. But I mean, I feel like they must have been close to thinking about Shuhei for Dexter, honestly. Like, that must have been a thought. Let's just say it. Let's just say what's on our mind. Shuhei's a better IGL than Dexter. Yeah, he's a better IGL. He's literally such a good IGL in general. Like, he could be on a Polish team calling for a team and just they would have so much potential. But that's, I kind of, I like the idea. If you're going to keep them kind of in this prison where they have to stay at a certain level because they actually are so valuable down there. They've done too good of a job at that level uh, that uh, the team is going to benefit more from like bringing up new stars under them than giving them something like equity is actually just kind of a cool thing, I feel like. Um, so a player like Mighty Max, I think, is also a great example. I mean, it's not it's clear that Endpoint has been, have been milling out players over the years, like Flamesy and others, to different teams, and that's probably not going to change. So if Endpoint's not going to be one to go up, then uh, at least he'll get paid for his efforts honestly it was like the shame for shake zula in na for a bit um don't think he was turned out to be quite as good i guess as he was at the time with the triumph lineup but even with those guys i think he could probably take some credit for building up their stature and reputation yeah if he had just waited a few years he could have been part of eg 
20 men. Yeah. I I don't know. Let's just let's just move on to EG fifteen man. Let's just move on to the yeah. Let's, okay. Wait, there's there's, 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 there's chat I comment. still don't understand it at all. Like cool. I don't actually understand uh, yeah, the the fifteen cool. man lineup. Yeah. So from the Nick, Nick's wanted right. to mention something in chat. <laughs> oh, I'm curious. Oh, okay. Nick, what are you? What, what, yeah. Well, I just really like this comment that says, uh, "Kierby wears a hairpiece." It's common knowledge in the Dan in the Danish CS scene. It's just like outlandish enough that I like I could believe it. It's just like random enough. <laughs> uh, the problem, no, okay. the no, problem with that he's from Amsterdam. <laughs> the problem with that claim, though, is that Pimp started that rumor. So. <laughs> also, I like this comment. Uh, Astral should replace Farley with Mertz, and I'm not going to elaborate any further or talk about it any further. Thank you. Okay. All right. Let's move on to EG15, man. Uh, the logistics obviously are something I would draw into question immediately, too. I was told, though, that they are like trying to do something where it's like EG plays Pro League, EG PA plays. Uh, Academy League or something like that, or EG Carpe Diem play Academy League, and then one of them plays Challenger like Premier, and then so they're like basically divvying them up into separate leagues so that there can never be a conflict of interest. And yes. that's so so yeah. so my understanding of this is basically like one team, like the main EG team, will play in like whatever the the big events are, so like Blast, um, EPL, like all the ESL like giant giant events. One team will go to Europe and kind of be based there and play all of the like Pinnacle Cups, the the Malta Vibes, and whatever like all of those tier two European events, and that they can get some experience in, and actually grow the from. Too. I have no idea, That'd but presumably, right? Like right. you'd think. Yeah. Um, and then the final team will still basically stay in NA and be like, like be able to play in the local NA events and kind of. I don't know if their plan is like That's not so bad. Uh, is it? Switch. It's actually pretty good. I think it's okay. It's just it just can't I don't know if I'm a fan it. of yeah exactly. I don't know if I'm a fan of the whole 15 man roster, but at the same time, like having having these teams that basically like nobody else is going to come in and sign these NA rosters at this point. So like having some financial support, I think like if the players are willing to make that sacrifice of knowing they can't for example qualify for a major just because the main team will be trying to do that like if the players are okay with that and kind of pushing that back a year or two so that they can get experience and be salaried the whole time like yeah. that's kind of the decision that they're going with right also i don't know why isek are commenting on this as if it's like a conflict of interest when there's like clear plans to not have that be an issue yeah i mean all teams kind of teams either like as well so. yeah it wouldn't that wouldn't make sense i would think isik would take at least a year to comment on this note so maybe that's like a fraudulent <laughs> comment i don't know yeah, wait, Isik, yeah what are they talking about why are they talking yeah so the thing uh, that gets me about this is that like uh, correct me if i'm wrong but i believe the pa deal didn't almost didn't happen or like there was a sticking point because they didn't want to be an academy team so if they're the ones going to the academy league that feels like i mean i guess maybe they were persuaded somehow maybe that was like team in europe honestly yeah. I would rather be the team in Europe, including being in the Academy League. Yeah, because that's like yeah. you just get way better practice in that sense. The I, I could actually understand if they were just going to have an NA division and an EU division, um, even if they're both sourced from NA players. I can't really wrap my head around the third set of players. That seems weird. And it's like, I mean, great for those players and great for the NA scene to have like another team that's on salary. But 
I don't really know what the future of that is. Like, do they are, are they eventually just going to get picked up by another org? Are EG like you know keeping the seat warm for some other org that's going to come in later? Is that the plan, or is it actually to develop talent? Like, I I just think the whole thing is weird. We've never seen it before. Uh, CS players don't like change. Uh, nerf the A1S. And can Liquid or sorry, can EG? PA even play in the Academy League? I think their average age is too high. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. It, it would be it would be Carpe Diem, not not right. Not, yeah, Peaker's advantage. <laughs> Peaker's advantage. There you go, <laughs> Davey. Yeah, what are yeah. you doing? Yeah, no party astronauts. Yeah. Um. Okay. Okay. Let's uh. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's just okay because of time. We're, let's just do Patreon questions actually now. And unless anybody has any final thoughts about the EG thing. We good? We, we wrap um, up on that? I mean, I'll, I'll say I have an interview okay. with Jack, Jack uh, Etienne that's going to come out at some point over the next, like, I don't know, some, like, following days sometime. Uh, and he mentioned that, like, while he was out of the scene, he was basically, uh, at some point, he did consider picking up an NA roster for uh, just, like, going down to the development kind of tier and, and trying to help bring up the scene. And then he said, then I looked at kind of how the structure of the NA scene is, and it's just not sustainable, like not sustainable, but it's not, uh, it's just not in the right state to pick up a team. Like I can, I'll tell you exactly what his words were. He basically said that, um, uh, I was actually starting to think that maybe we'll just do a dive into the development scene and try that way. But the system in North America is not in the greatest shape right now. And I don't really have a timeline on when that would happen or like when that would change. So I don't know. I think having two academy rosters just like if they're if EG are approaching it this way where they're kind of dividing them between two continents, it kind of is a little bit better. But to me, like the EG main team clearly needs changes. So I don't know how long they're planning on kind of letting those rosters ride for. That is that, okay. That that's where all of this conversation actually like that's the main. That's yeah. the main thing with this whole point. This whole thing is like, why are you doing a 15 man roster without having one good one first? And yes. I, I do wonder like if they are going to be willing to pick and pluck players to make the best five main five man lineup that will compete in blast in pro league, because uh, like what they're doing now is pretty pathetic. All things considered um, in terms of results. Like if you guys, if you guys had control of this roster, Oh, actually, let's just do it. Let's just do it. Let's just throw this topic out there. Hex if we had, if you had control of this roster, uh, who from the 10, from Carpe Diem and from uh, Party Astronauts, are you guys most willing to take a chance on to move up to the main roster? Ecclesia, uh, Viz, and Hex T. Okay, I would say Hex I, is definitely like top candidate for me to move up. I think Hex is the number one candidate for me because yeah. I know he has less issues outside the server yeah i've heard so, about yes. that oh, well so did simple <laughs> yes, so did okay <laughs> true yeah, i think, think the levels of a couple players in comparison to simple might not stack up so i'm gonna go with hex because i feel like he's got a good head on his shoulders and uh i think he's worth taking a shot to give him you know some tier one and honestly at this point just bring monster into eg as a coach like Good show. Who else are they going to fill that slot with right now? And I think EG could like the problem is I think the the main players won't necessarily respect him, which would kind of suck just be because honest. they're accomplished. But I think that they need somebody to actually like help 
Okay. Imagine, develop that roster a bit. Imagine if they got like a DJT or DGT or uh, DJL. Sorry. Sorry, DJL. So many acronyms. DJT on esports bet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, DJL. Not yet, like, Maui. Next week. Like we, the way he okay. turned the NIP ship around. Like yeah, he, yeah. What? Uh, I, it's. I think it's really hard to find legit good coaches. Like there are coaches yes. that are probably good, but legit good. And I think he proved that with the NIP lineup. If they got a coach like that in the in NA, that could change multiple players at once. That would be huge. I think. I don't know how you find him, but yeah, I can't really speak on who that would be, but I actually will go out and say, I don't know if I could say Munster would be the guy that's going to just write the ship and Stewie's going to be like, yes, Munster. I, I agree with everything you want to do. I don't you think he's going to write the ship, but the fact that he's under, like he's already part of the, the whole project, just having him there temporarily even would be like, cause I talked to the players. They don't have like a coach in mind right now to bring in. So I think just having him temporarily, would be if, fine. Like, Stewie's still calling. Like, I really don't know who they're going to have as a coach that's going to, like, have great chemistry with Stu. I, 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 yeah. Like, if, I if almost, Malik fell out so fast that, like, I don't yes. even, I don't have confidence that DJL would work either. Like, they released him with a just, tweet, boys. It's over. Well, well, they, they told, they told, or it's like Malik said he wanted out. So he didn't get released by a tweet, but the other two assistant coaches did. But I feel like it really, okay, I didn't even know that. Back if he's like, is hesitant to like trust any of these coaches or like get on the same page with them. Maybe Unless... Stu should go to a carpe diem. What do we think about that? I mean, I think that would be pretty humbling. But yeah, after what Stu said about Grimm, I'm sure that that's something that he would love to do. Help bring yeah. up a instead of just bring up one relatively new player, bring up four relatively new players. I think Stu Listen, would probably retire before that happens. Stu would love point. to win some games, but that ain't happening. So tough luck, Buttercup. That's my okay. My words. Okay, okay. Let's. Uh, okay. I I think I would just to get back to the original thing I posed out there. I probably actually at this point, just to shake things up a lot, I'd probably actually just go as far to go like Ben Lee and Hex in for Stewie and like Rush or something like that, and I would just see what happens. Like if I'm this EG yeah. lineup, I have no reason not to just switch things around well, because the- I already have all these players under contract, so. Let's just do it. But uh, well, the reason is actually really- what Note said, right? It's that like these re- veterans are not likely to actually want to play at a lower level than they are already playing. So, uh, like, what level are they playing at right now? Well, yeah, that's the thing. But what I'm saying is that like at least moving them down, like moving them down from the main they, team, is going to be so so disastrous that it's like I don't know. I feel like you you could get away with that shuffling the other teams like the other lineups here because they're less experienced and they're just happy to be there to some degree obviously they're hungry to compete and they now have the funding to do that Stu and rush and and some of their players i don't, I don't want to speak to their actual mentality because i don't know enough but it just feels like they would never sign off on that you know but that's the reason this 15 man academy structure doesn't make sense to me is yeah. that when you do bring in one of the young players to come onto the main team the like the more experienced players won't like if they want to make that step down, all right, cool. But I have a feeling like they won't necessarily want to do that. And that's where it becomes a really questionable structure for me. Like, how is that going to be a sustainable long-term environment for anybody? Yeah, I think maybe it's the only thing it's not a sustainable long-term environment for is actually the vets who are on the current roster. And maybe this, I don't know, I don't think AG is doing this deliberately, but maybe the what ends up happening is just that those players choose to leave the roster rather than go down a level 
and you just I'm, start cycling up newer talent. And like, maybe that would be better for the whole scene. I'm done catering to people's feelings when they lose this much though. Like, yeah. I don't, I, wh- yes. who cares what the vets think? Like, I, I don't, agree. I don't yeah. worry about that at all anymore. If I'm EG, like you need to take Defund a hold of this EG. Roster. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't defund EG. I like that 15 people are getting paid. <laughs> I just don't like the way that it's being allocated. Okay. Yeah. Like I, I don't, I mean, personally, like, it's just this, like, will they be mad if they get moved out? Well, sh- shit, they should be mad at their own performance, first of all. And so I, yeah, I, I mean, if it were up to me right now, the roster I would build with EG with these people is just actually, I'd probably just do Ben Lee, Stewie, Klazia, uh, hexed and then i'd probably just keep cirque because you just have to that's just that's just that's just my take because i think you just really need to change it up wait you would cut tim you would cut breeze over sir my bad my bad actually no i'd keep i'd keep tim over i'd keep tim over uh uh, over here who would i'd probably just make tim up fuck it dude i'd make tim up (laughs) Uh, yes i like that way more actually just bring tim Tim up tim opping right tim opping for at the end of what he did for gen g was better than what cirque is doing today just flat okay but it's not like it's a lot better but I think it's a fresher perspective. So, and it probably keeps Stewie happy in some way because I have to, I do have to appease these vets. Even, even <laughs> though you just said, fuck the vets. No, obviously, no I, I, that, that was actually just a secondary point. I actually just yeah. think automatic is a better opera than, yeah. than Cirque right now. Yeah, yeah. That's all. Probably true. Yeah. I think Ponalon is a better opera than Cirque. That's my hot take. So get him in. Swap. Scalding. Swap. Scalding. Even though I think Pone, Pone literally has, I think he has a better rating last three months than Cirque does. <laughs> well, he has yeah. lower competition, obviously. But yeah. Well, some of it's the same competition, which is unfortunate for e- the main EG guys. But yeah, you're right. It's oh, Apple Star. Okay, let's, do, let's get to Patreon cues. Let's get to Patreon questions, and we can talk about some of the other things I wrote down earlier in case we have the time. So, But we need to get to these because these guys are big fans, and they are spending big bucks to have these questions here. First guy we got, Spud, a.k.a. Baloney Eater 79 uh, he said, assuming the matches in the major playoffs were bare knuckle 5v5 brawls, make a playoff pick'ems bracket. Okay, so this we're one's gonna take a bit. So we're basically so we're basically looking at the bracket for the for the playoffs of the major, and then we're gonna say if they actually fought each other in person, who would uh who would win? Um so NIP versus FaZe, who wins this in in bare knuckle fisticuffs? I think it's got to be FaZe. FaZe are just they're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster. Rops might yeah. break. Under, I was gonna say, uh, like that's the problem is you have to make this playoff yeah. pickums, but then you also have to account for like who's going out with an injury. You know? I mean, you say that, but it's like <laughs> yeah. rain. Rain will just like one v five. Feel hard carry. Yeah, rain. Yeah. Rain uh, can handle at least three. Entry for once, and rain will trade. <laughs> <laughs> it's like in the on the street vids where you see like the little guy walk up with swagger, and then his like big bodyguard is behind him. That's basically what the Rops would be. He'd just like he'd throw the first punch and then he'd run away. I think FaZe would have an what's, era if this was bare enough. <laughs> no, what's what's funny? What's really funny about this? I, I'll get is that when we go to the other side, we split to the other side of the bracket. Navi heroic. I think you just have to pick Navi because Boomich is actually just the strongest dude. Boomich is annoying. Like, dude, Boomich, I don't know if you like read the news, dude. But. Dude, Boomich I mean, could just do this. We would you could just get his arm and just go, Whoa! and then literally like <laughs> everyone from Rogue is dead. They're this just clean. Like hundred pounds crazy. combined. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think anybody could actually actually could make it. Maybe maybe that. that's how Navi wins the next major. Is they all have it's, to be? It's, I feel like I now it's not Boomage. I think no. Yeah. Well, if, we, if we when the guy wrote the question, it was when the major happened more recently. Oh, okay, so okay. We're going with the lineups of that time. Mm-hmm. Like ZT, it's not Hampus for ZTR, so. What do we feel about Theria? I don't know. I feel like they go. Theria Spirit's a tough one. That's a tough. That's a tough one v five v five. I think. I don't really. I think Drop is a little weak. Um, True. But I also look at like 
Patsy also doesn't look like he could hurt anybody. Mm. Um, I think Spirit would. Lose. I don't know. I feel like Dexter yeah. would top frag, but at the same time, there would. <laughs> well, I feel like Chopper would. No, Chopper would oh, headshot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cho- a headshot from Chopper would be all it takes to take anybody out on Furia. Yeah, yeah no, but I never want to. I never want to test the metal of Brazilians. I've just learned that through Twitter. It's probably not a good I, idea. I, I mean, the the actual fight would be closer than that major semifinal or quarter. Oh yeah, true. Yeah, so, at the very least. Yeah, I think I would give it to Spirit, but like, I don't know, dude. Look at Siren, Siren dude. Impact, Siren right? and Patsy are both really, really small, and I feel like they're just non-factors. And then basically, because they're such non-factors. Fury could almost like 5v3 Chopper and Dexter and Magix. And I think Chopper and Magix probably have the most heft of anybody in this 5v5. But I also think like just because There's Siren and Patsy are such liabilities, you might not get over that, that you hurdle put, of I think you have to on you. you have to put Siren and Patsy on the flank so that they can come in and pull off the other guys off of them. It's like mm. a distraction move. They don't even have the strength to pull off like Kesara. Like, well, you Kesera can like tickle them under the to, armpit like, or something, so then they can't strength. like remain focused. So I think it still can work. You just have to have different strats. Chopper's smart enough, dude. He'll figure it out. He's got some. They're both aggressive. Well, we do know that it would be an aggressive brawl. Yeah, that's that would that would probably sure. be the highlight if you're really into world star hip hop. I think this fight would probably end within 15 seconds. That's, the, <laughs> that's where we're going with that. Um, okay, hold on. Ends Copenhagen Flames. Ooh. Gotta be ends. It's gotta, yeah. be, gotta ends. be ends. For gotta sure. be ends. Dude, have you seen yeah, some of the people on Copenhagen Flames? Yes. <laughs> Roy is like the strongest dude on Copenhagen yeah. Flames, but he doesn't make up for Yabby. Yeah. No. Roy, Roy's not gonna be able to hard carry enough. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. Nikodaz has like a low enough center of gravity that he could probably like take some blows. Like, but he's not gonna like. I don't feel like he's the guy that's gonna dish out many like haymakers. Both, both of these guys are losing the Navi though. So, yeah, yeah, that's the okay, so, so quarter, so quarter, uh, semifinals. We have Phase versus Spirit, and we have Navi versus Ents. It's got to be Phase again. Yeah, we got to take Phase. And then I Navi, think fa- the phase spirit Navi, one is right? a bit cl- bit closer, but still, yeah, you have to you have to think rain is still just like wait. Know, so this so go. this playoff bracket actually played out the exact same way. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 exactly. So grand finals, <laughs> grand finals phase versus Navi. Based <laughs> <laughs> how strong people are in real life. <laughs> <laughs> they need like a VP again. They need Green to make Mike. it's be like a Robs versus Bit one v one, just to like make it even. <laughs> bit bit. Bit trained in the military for like eight years or something. Oh, Ralph, I'll be some shit on yeah. him. Yeah, I think, Jesus. I think I might have Navi taking this guy. Right on the military, he trained. Like, I got Navi, dude. Perfecto just looks like he's going to fuck someone up. Like, I don't know. Perfecto looks like yeah. he has that like sly farmer strength where he's actually yeah. just really, actually, he, he just can kick you in the balls for sure. <laughs> 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 well, he's just going to replicate his Mirage performance from way back where he had zero deaths. That's just him. He's yeah. perfect. Yeah, it has to be Navi here, I would say. I think, just yeah. like man to man they stack up better. I oh wait, dude, and actually a better strat, though. the guy who asked this question is in the chat right now and he says if you include coaches, then it changes things, right? Oh, oh that is true. Phase yeah. Eddie is has nothing on Blade. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's just not gonna like phase Eddie will get toppled by Blade. So that's oh that's true. true. You can't use Roban because he was He's banned, banned dude. So. Yeah. That's true. Getting banned from a bare knuckle brawl. I think Eddie <laughs> takes Blade like he smiles, but I feel like he's not. Dude, he can at least distract him and make it a five v five again, so that you can yeah. like neutralize him or whatever. Even Get him in a headlock. Phase Eddie seems like he's a fit dude. 
But I, I know that Blade probably has like 20, maybe 15 kilos on him. So like, I, I just listen, can't. Listen, know. Blade would go into that fight with like three sheets of strategies <laughs> of like his weakest, like Eddie's weakest points or something. He He'd know that he knee. has like a yeah. weak left heel or something and just like sweep him. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm taking Navi. Okay, let's let's actually get the full count here. I got I got Navi. Pernogo, who you got? I still got to sign with my boy Kerrigan. He's not the okay, most impressive physique, but I think he's got he's got the brains. Like, no, no, who you got? I take Navi too. Okay, Mix, who you got? I'm taking Navi. Okay, so okay, so it's three two split. Decision. Navi winning a bo five. That's how it works. That's how it works. All right, next patron question. That was pretty adequately answered. Um, let's do CS Leaks. Says NASA is sending four people to begin colonizing Mars. Who out of the CS talent or pros would you each pick to send on the mission? Um, let's do this. Let's do actually a group that is just talent, and let's do a group that's just pros. Okay. So why? Because he's so weird, and he can find out strange things about the game. Like instantly, like he figure out which coach had uh, cheated from that demo from a face a game from like three oh, years yeah. ago. I feel like it's the perfect person to put there to do research. I guess he does give savant vibes, right? He can just like focus really well on like one thing. So that's so, probably pretty valuable. I'd probably have to get Rush because he's like jacked. And he's gonna <laughs> be jacked this isn't the last question, Maui. This, this isn't the last <laughs> I question. Say, I would say Rain over Rush, honestly. No, but he's. I think Rush is smarter. <laughs> what? <laughs> so I'd rather have him. Also, the thing is that. Rush is like compact and is compact energy. And I think when you have that, you like can extend your resource supply for longer. I think that's okay. something to take into note here. I would not take, I'll say this. If I'm sending an actual mission to a new planet, I would probably take like four generally smaller people because I just think that their en energy expenditure is going to be less. And that stuff matters when like big people have bigger lungs. I don't want them to take up all the oxygen if something malfunctions. Just saying. Can we, can we send floppy as well? Just like make the comms interesting yeah <laughs> just, just to troll like the mission would get derailed so quickly if Floppy's actually on it. like Floppy's actually on my list of candidates that i would 100 percent not want to go to mars to try to save humanity I feel like you'd land and be like where are the girls <laughs> Floppy. oh what's your name curiosity Floppy would do this and be like you wouldn't do this on earth you wouldn't do that on earth would you you wouldn't do that on earth <laughs> that's good yeah. Uh, okay. Really though, I'd probably take like just four, like Glaive. Wouldn't you guys take Glaive? I would take Glaive for sure. Yeah, you need a leader. Yeah, Glaive, Glaive is a good call. Taking Glaive is the start of Interstellar, where he's like trying to get back to his kid. You know, so there's a lot of motivation there. Yeah. Okay. Um. Who else? We need another real person. No. Who would you put? Who would you put? Jerry. For Honestly, I would. I would send you Kinder. Just keep Kinder. the arms up. You know. You gotta, uh, keep, you gotta send you Kinder. Yeah, and you Kinder would probably do something that gets himself killed, but then everybody would learn from that mistake. So imagine <laughs> how uh, how funny stuff. Jax's physical comedy would be on SV Gravity Four Hundred. Oh, <laughs> <SV> <laughs> oh no, SV I float in shit. It... <laughs> what? You remember the tweet? <laughs> he... What did he, he say? <laughs> he stepped in shit, and it was Navi's logo, and there was like oh, a, there was a oh. video. But I just oh, okay. obviously you don't step on. I mean, you can, I guess, but probably not. I don't before. follow Jax on Twitter, so I didn't catch that one. But uh, missing out. Okay. 
Okay, I should I should get on. Okay, let's do four wow. talent, four four CS talent. You would want Anders. Okay, I mean Anders. Yeah, Anders, Anders has to be Anders. there. Anders has it's to like be there. His lifelong dream. So uh, the problem the problem yeah. with sending Anders is he might get a little too wrapped up into like just one rock, and then he would just like <laughs> overexamine this rock or some shit, and just like it would just slow the whole operation down to a point where it's like, okay, we need another body to help us out here, not a guy that's looking at this rock all day and trying to find out what these lines mean on it. I but, just imagine yeah, I think Anders, <laughs> Anders has to because he just needs to go. Uh, for for pure comedy's sake, though, like Anders would have to be the person who talks to an alien when they first show up. Like, you, there's nobody oh, else you could have up there. Like, yeah. oh, I don't know if you guys have seen this uh, guy's work, Terrence McKenna. Um, he, he really has a lot of mushrooms <laughs> <laughs> on Mars. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I just imagine I can hear it now. Anders dropping the rock just, the, and then he he casts it the same way that like somebody whiffs an. Oh no! He missed it entirely. That's an absolute disaster. <laughs> It's a disaster. Um, who else would we get? Who else would we get for this Mars mission um, of the talent? Hey, honestly, Henry G, because he would find the fungible mushrooms. Oh, okay. That are on Mars. They, they make a good duo, right? You know, I, you... I had to. I had to do that one just for Pernogo. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so I, he always gives like he's good for one Henry G shout out per episode. So I'll one take Henry. that one. I, yeah, I wasn't even thinking of him because he's not <laughs> active right now. But. One Greer or something. Um, I think it wouldn't hurt to have. Uh, like a stunna type, like he's literally been in the military. Okay, <laughs> I feel like this is already just the case and right the, the whole case right there. Yeah, I think you could send Soren because then there's there's no one from Earth, so he'll be happy. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a new planet to find new people to block. As soon as Perfect. he meets little Martians, also he's gonna start writing hashtag Martian logic tweets. Yeah. Okay, that's our that's our team. This is gonna be uh, if we really think about it, Stunna, Thorin, Henry G, Anders. I don't know how well that's really gonna work out, but <laughs> we're sending him into space. I think he's gonna make it in like make it to Mars. Yeah, yeah <laughs> off the launch pad, honestly. But uh, well, that's 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 that question. Um, okay, final Patreon question we have is Fursock, and he says is. Eight people, too much for a CS podcast. Yes, so that's it out next week. Pernoga, you, you had a note on this, though. What did you, you Yeah, think? so Nard out here started a podcast somewhat recently, and uh, shout out to him. But he ha he basically, it reminded me of like the Trainwrecks podcast or whatever, where there's like literally 16 people or something. I don't even know how that works. But yeah, let's just say the format was ambitious, and I'm not sure if... If it works, I think anything more than what we have here is probably very challenging to do to make sure that I feel everybody like the hardest, the most difficult part, like by far, is like once you get above four people, it's just scheduling. Like, imagine I was trying to schedule, but with eight people. Oh, yeah, true. Well, influenced. I don't think it's the same people, but yeah, even even with eight different people, it's really hard. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I even think four is a lot, so or five is a lot. That is, when yeah. we're at four, it's like we're this is becomes manageable, but once it becomes five, it's like I'm trying to think about did somebody not talk for like three minutes so yeah you know that's my fault yeah you know what it's okay man it's okay we we're happy to have you but next time mix Oops. mix gets sick mix is gonna get sick again yeah so. i'm only here every other every other show now no it's okay too busy um, Valorant. you know what we, yeah this is this is a good time to wrap up on this I, th I think eight is okay i'll just say this for any podcast i've ever listened to i think once it gets past four it's like I think above, I've never listened, I'll say this, five, I've actually heard some podcasts that I've been like, that's fine. But anything above five, I've literally been like, this is just, I, I don't know the voices I'm listening to, I don't know what's going on. Hard to follow. I, six, I six, 
six plus is like five, five is my limit. Six is like too much. That's over. That's why Overwatch went down to five. That's I think why three, I to, three to four is ideal for me. Five is like pushing it, and then anything above that is far too many. Yeah, I also yeah. think one is bad. Generally speaking, I don't like one man podcasts. Just saying, I don't really listen to yeah. any one man shows. Two, Hello, two and three. Hello. Hasn't well, I listen to some Bill. No, I no. Okay, never mind. Yeah, he's chill. Talks about his day. I love Bill. Yeah. You know that's fine. You guys can enjoy that. I'll just choose to not enjoy it, and that's just my opinion, man. Okay, let's do shoutouts because we got some people that have to go. Actually, yep. Um, <clears throat> let's do uh, Launders. What What do you want to shout out in the waning moments of this show? Uh, sh- shout out to Axel and Shiro, man. Um, shout out to Axel and Shiro for closing out a land. The future is bright, and um, it's awesome to see them go flip the Gambit roster, get to land, win a final. Uh, no. What do you want to shout out? Uh, I'm gonna double shill and shout out Razor for giving me a mouse while I was in Dallas. Oh, same. I got one. <laughs> that guy was at the major. He was at Dallas. He'll probably be at Cologne too. You can get all your free gear from him. There you go. Shout out Jimmy. What's his name? What's his name? Jimmy. Yes. Jimmy. Yes. Jimmy. Phase Jimmy. I don't know why I put phase. I don't know why. <laughs> okay. Not even a joke. It's the end Not of the show. That's why. I've just yeah. been saying phase Eddie so much. I just find it so funny to say phase Eddie. But um, Nix, what's your shout out? All right, since you guys shouted out free peripherals, I'll shout out HyperX for my free peripherals. Thank Chill. you. You are literally. <laughs> sponsored by- <laughs> what? I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Uh, Pernogo, what is your shout out? Uh, I don't really think I have one. Shout out Launders for coming on, dude. That's my my shout Thanks. out. Happy to have you, buddy. Uh, OC, what about OC? Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen I haven't seen him in about three months, dude. Where is he? At? Oh, <laughs> shout out Floppy, our man on the moon. There you go, uh, our man on Mars. My shout out. I have two quick shout outs. I have one to. Let me make sure I got his name correct here. Um, Spell it, pronounce shout out to Nike. <laughs> shout out to Nike Bones. I think this guy is the new like highest donating patron. If I'm not mistaken, this guy's donating fifty a month. That's Wait, we can good. just buy your love. That's cool. Yeah, that's that's a shout out. It's not love. You know, a difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, don't you so. fucking forget it. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> so we got so him so Nike Bones uh, hashtag or exclamation mark Patreon in the chat to see our Patreon. Make sure to donate to that. But our but my real shout out actually is all the the fans that were really nice at Dallas and that got into the chance that we started when we were on the desk because that was like. Something that I've never gotten to do before is from a desk in an arena, start a USA chant for a Russian team that is backed by an NA organization, and it was flawless. Everybody loved it, and I don't think I'll ever probably do that again. So shout out to everybody that was screaming USA when I was saying we should root for Axile and Shiro. That's going to be it, guys. Once again, thank you, Launders, for joining us on another episode of It's Server Time. Thanks to the usual co-hosts in Mix, Note, and Pernogo. And thanks to the live viewers in chat who make this all a little bit more interesting because you guys type some funny things at times. Also, you guys type some really weird things, but love it both ways. The ups and downs are why why you're there. So, shouts out to everybody that followed and subbed, too. Um, subscribe on Patreon if you want to further support. Thanks, guys. That's going to be it.